<laughs> in fact, it's uh, it's so simple mm-hmm. that we're already live. What's oh, up? Welcome on, to man. the you Anomaly Talk podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah. we, we just make it smooth. We go from That's non-live it. to... That, that was... Welcome to the Anomaly Talk podcast, the podcast where we bring... Uh, damn it, I messed that up. Where we have extraordinary conversations with ordinary people. And by ordinary... Larry, I mean, he doesn't mean basic. There yeah. we go. I think, <laughs> I think that's going to be like the, the new thing. It works. So today we've got a fellow engineer. So I'm really uh, excited. Uh, we've got John. What's up, John? Hey, how you guys doing? How's it going? How's hello, the ride hello. here? Not bad. Not bad. Very yeah, nice. we always ask because this place, for some reason, everybody that we find interesting lives down south or north. Nobody's in like central. If you believe in central, because I know that's like uh, central doesn't exist. Oh, so you're one of those. Yeah. Right. Larry? I, until I went to NJIT, I didn't rec- I didn't know that this part of New Jersey even existed. <laughs> like this, like where we are right now? Yeah, I just yeah, never bothered just, to go down here. You're so far I, up north. It's either Jersey Shore or up north. That's all I know. Yeah, <laughs> you're way too far up north. Uh, good. Uh, but uh, we've got John today. John, we, we kind of wanted to talk about a couple of things. Uh, so you're an industrial engineer, right? Yep. Okay, so give me a little bit. We, we did some research. Um, and we kind of want to understand what's your day to day like as an industrial engineer because you have a, a unique title, which yep. is like content developer. Content developer. So yep. when you hear content developer, you're like, are you a YouTuber? Yeah. But you're way <laughs> overqualified to be a YouTuber. This guy's <laughs> got an engineering. Degree. He actually went to school. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh exactly. man, taking shots. It's <laughs> awkward. Does I have a YouTube channel? No, I'm, just I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so. Content developer, industrial engineering, put that into layman's terms for me. Yep. So I graduated from Stevens with a systems engineering degree. Um, and what that what I'm basically doing is I'm looking at a system from A to Z, or I'm looking from processes to A to Z, and we're looking at um, where that process can be uh, optimized, or we find problems in a certain process or or in a certain system and how we can make that better. Nowadays, every single type of engineering, they need that. Everything's progressing. Nothing has stayed the same even within the last five years. Things that happened five years ago are changing now. People are finding ways that uh, things can be done better, more efficiently, um, cost efficiently. So that's basically where I come in. Um, now, in terms of content developer, yeah, you're right. It sounds kind of weird. So I work for a company called Start Guides. I don't know. Have you guys tried Googling it? I had to look. Yeah, I'd look. Yeah, we, we kind of stalked you. Yeah. Did, did, did you guys? Yeah, I saw you guys peeping on my LinkedIn. <laughs> oh, I forgot. It tells yeah, bro, me. It tells me. You can't, you can't be peeping that like that. Sucks. I yes, I stalked you. Huh? Um, so anyway, if you kind of Google Start Guides, I mean, not much comes up, right? You guys. It was a very basic website yeah it was very vague very basic but what we actually do is we make apps for the military army marine all that different types of stuff um and basically i mean i don't want to say we make technical manuals for them but we do make we started to make technical manuals for them and we started to make um performance support apps so to kind of break it down right now the Army and the Marines, for any type of system that they have, they need to teach them or train the Marines or soldiers on it, right? Mm. So every piece of equipment that these guys get, there's a huge manual. And when I'm talking about huge, like I'm talking from anywhere to 
700 to over a thousand pages. So like a book, essentially. Dude, yeah, it's okay. crazy. So what we're doing is we're taking this um, overload of information and decompressing it into an app. Mm. So anything you want to learn at a, about a certain system, you can learn it with our app within three taps or less. That's basically what we like to stick with. Um, so, for example, um, uh, a program might tell us to come out like, hey, we wanna, we're interested in one of your apps. So we get on contract for it. Government's all contracting. Once, once the contracts go through, what they do is uh, they get us on the field or wherever with their system. Mm. And it works perfectly for me. I never had any military experience. So I'm coming in as a fresh user, just like any one of these Marines or soldiers might be they coming in. They want those in. fresh eyes. Exactly. Okay. So I'm looking at the system from A to Z, and I'm putting it in a way that I'd be able to understand it. Mm. And I'm getting my information from the manuals and everything, and I'm organizing it in an app. Because think about it, all these, all these Marines and soldiers, they're coming out of school, some of them straight out of high school. Yeah. And like, they're not going to be searching through these 800 page manuals to find out like one thing or if they want to troubleshoot something they're not gonna they're just gonna say oh they leave it on the side and they'll say it's broken mm. no joke they'll say it's broken because they can't figure it out and it's easy to say something's broken and just move exactly. on. exactly and the government spends so much money on this equipment yeah and it's crazy like when i went out there it's insane how much like money is being dumped into these certain systems mm. And people don't know how to really use it. Mm. It's crazy. So, I mean, that's kind of a long... It's actually pretty interesting. So, to so summarize you, and you correct me... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was about it's... to say, you read a lot and you write a lot. Yeah. Um, have you ever... So, you said a couple of things that that uh, that uh, got me uh, interested. So, they, they send you to wherever the system is. Yep. So, you do a lot of traveling. Yep. Uh, do you have like a preference of... Where do you go to places consistent, uh, consistently and, and do you have like a, a place that you like going to and, yeah. and enjoy or? <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely Cali. Cali? There, there is a, there's a Marine base, um, right outside of San Diego. It's called, uh, Camp Pendleton. Okay. I just love the area over there. So, so do I you know, get to stay in gorgeous. the base? Uh, no, I don't stay in the base. Oh, yeah. I stay in the hotel, man. <laughs> that would have been really cool. <laughs> no, man, not cool at all. <laughs> no? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's different out there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the base is, it's, it's, it's completely different. Just the whole government world is completely insane and you're talking you're talking about like a secretive like you're like you're in a very secretive like industry uh yeah. right so you're probably like the, um, the regulations probably of what you can see what you can't see are probably yep. insane yeah so you you try a lot of these systems out yeah so do you actually have to like for instance uh what, what is it an mvap or uh, those big tankers uh armored vehicles oh, yep yep so like let's say uh the military contracts you they need a manual for that vehicle mm-hmm do you have to drive that vehicle? Uh, no. So they, they have to have certain qualifications and requirements to be driving that vehicle. But I will be in that vehicle. I'll be like playing with different things. I'll be pushing all the buttons. That goes with every system that I travel out for. Okay. So I'm very hands-on, which okay. is exactly what I wanted with this job. Because prior I was working for the FAA. And that was typically like an office desk. I'm looking at blueprints. And dude, 
it was just too much for me. I like being hands on. I like being out there. I like walking around. Yeah. So, so this job, me like, and I'm getting a new job like almost every month, every two months. So every, I, I'm not getting bored. I'm yeah. always working on something different, something really cool. And like, it's all so diverse. Like it, it could be something from radios and communications. My, <laughs> the first, so it was funny. Um, they kind of hired me really quick when I started out there. So I met my supervisor at the airport. First time ever meeting him because this whole company, it's all remote. We don't necessarily have to show up to an office or mm. anything. Um, so I met him at the airport. First trip was out in Cali. And um, we go to the Marine base. First time on a Marine base. They're like, okay, so this is the system that we're working on. I don't know exactly what this thing is. They gave me the manual. The manual, I mean, it's like, okay, I, I don't really get it. We go in the office and there's a rocket launcher in front of me. I'm like, all right, this is pretty cool. Like, <laughs> it's like, I'm literally living in Halo yeah. right now. In that, yeah. scenario, in that scenario, you can't press every button, right? No. <laughs> no. Well, they gave us a dummy version, so uh, I kind of was. Uh, so okay. they're, they're, It's pretty cool. And um, so the way they train the Marines on those is they kind of have it like enclosed off. And like, it's almost, you know, like those virtual um, golf ranges. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. so they like have something like screen. that. Yeah, so it's it's something like that where they're teaching the Marines on how to use it, and then eventually they're t they'll take them out to the field and stuff like that. So yeah. it's it's really cool how um, training in the DoD has been changing at a very rapid pace compared to the way they've been doing it for probably over the past like fifty years. Is that because of the inclusion of private companies like yours uh, to a system, or you're saying that's just a culture shift? In it's the... just a culture shift. Okay, so. Just the fact that we're one of the only companies that are doing these app-based TMs or performance support app. Just the fact that they could put it on their tablet or phones or whatever. It's a huge culture shift within the military in general. Mm. And we've been receiving a lot of pushback. And there's not a lot of companies that do this either. So for the most part, you're getting contractors that will build out the systems. But it's still just a manual. Hmm. everything's paper-based or, or they'll have a trainer come in and teach them or they'll go through their classes in schooling but you know it's it's for these 18 19 year old kids they're not really going to be paying attention in those classes and they might forget something so that's where our apps come into play yeah that's actually really interesting because the trainer is fine but then when you need to re recollect that information right. what are you going to bring the trainer again again exactly. like you know it's yeah, it's 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 not going to be I mean, this is where the waste of money comes in. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the inefficiencies come in. So, I mean, it's brilliant, actually. It makes a lot of sense, especially yeah. with the new generation. You yeah. definitely hit it. I mean, for yourself, even. Yeah. I mean, it's like I definitely wouldn't want to. <laughs> if, if any one of us, we want to find out how to do something or we can't figure something out, we're pulling out our phones and going to Google. Yeah, there isn't like they can't be putting this stuff out on Google, like how to do these things or, or operate these systems or troubleshoot it. So that's that's the the problem that we're solving why why do you feel like there is pushback because it doesn't make sense that the systems are getting more advanced like the, what the f-35 raptor i think it's one of the military's new jets yep um some of them are configured to be able to take off vertically now mm -hmm. vertically and then transition into a uh like a, a takeoff uh pattern um that's some crazy innovation yeah but we're still the, the manuals are still on paper. Mm -hmm. Why why do you think there's that pushback regardless of, you know, the innovations and the t different technologies? Yeah. So yeah, why still paper? 
and that's what we're we're always trying to convince our customers about. Um, the TM industry. Is, what is that? So when I say TM, I mean technical manuals. Okay. Mm. So anytime there's a new system being um, in place by a program office or whatever, um, they always have, like I mentioned before, they always have to have a manual. They they have to create new references for it and stuff like that. To create a manual from what my higher-ups tell me, um, it takes them like anywhere between one to two years. And just to produce that manual, it takes about $1.5 million for a okay. manual. So and it's cost. Yeah. And we're talking about, it's not only $1.5 million. They also have a bunch of employees under that. Yeah. And those employees also have benefits. Mm. Exactly. That's the type of manual you don't want to throw out in the garbage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they can always update these things. And like, again, with these manuals, once they have to do one update to it, they have to update everything. They have to update their websites and whatever. Meanwhile, we could just streamline it. Mm. So it's it's a completely different culture shift. So yeah, to answer your question, it's it's more of a money thing. So if we come into play, other people might be losing their jobs, you know, and... Mm. It's, That's politics at that point, yeah, right? It's, yeah. a, it's a lot of politics involved. The Marine Corps, the Army, they've been doing things a certain way for so long, it's hard for, for them to get them to change. And we're a small company. Mm. And we're we're causing big noise within the the, the military industry. industry. Yeah. And there's and when I'm talking about the military industry, I'm talking about like Lockheed Martin, uh Lidos, like all these big companies. And we're just we're one of the small guys here. You're, we're you're getting business. Lockheed Martin, man. <laughs> that would be cool that's, but that's dangerous <laughs> they're producing a lot of this stuff but i mean yeah that's true yeah no but i mean you're talking about like the responsibility i mean i get it like from their perspective it's a it's an insane responsibility and to just let you know who the hell are you right start guys exactly. right, right and like yeah. coming in to change things you know that mm. you know we're not talking about like changing something on a you know Vita Media's website or something like we're talking yeah. about like this is like great impact yeah yep. right so they're very conservative with the way yeah. that thing changes yeah, yeah. So I get it, but uh, what's like? So prior to the company, prior to like leading, like kind of like your personal story, like why don't you share that? Because uh, obviously we know who you are, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jumping off of that, you did mention uh, you mentioned f you you didn't want the desk job, right? Um, so there was a little bit of uh, doubt in in career choice where you're yeah. like, uh, you know, I don't want to be on a desk all day facing a computer bent, uh, bent yeah. out of shape. Yeah, why don't you add me next time? Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, take us back. Like, how was it in college? Like, what was... Because Larry and I both had our, you know, yeah, uh, different stories of, oh, we started with something. We realized we didn't like it. We switched out. Exactly. Take me back to college from your initial career choice, how that went throughout university, and then where you are now in, in today's position. Yep. So um, I went to Stevens Institute of Technology in Hoboken. Um, I started out doing chemical engineering over there. And I mean, chemical engineering, it's a really cool field if you understand it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the money is great and everything too. But I mean, just in general, like anything you're looking at just for the money, like, and if you don't have a passion for like, yeah, you're going to hate it. It's not going to motivate you. Yeah. So I was I was doing that. I think I did that for like uh, two or three years. And then um, it got to a point where, you know, I just fell out of love with it. Like I wasn't passionate about it. I almost hated school. 
Um, and I needed a job at the time. So I went on Craigslist, actually, looked for jobs. Um, I saw one open up at Teterboro Airport, which is a private airport. Um, and so I started working there. They were able to work around my school schedule. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. Um, there's nothing cooler than working at an airport. Yeah. I just being around to, uh, you know, that many aircraft. Yeah. It's very fascinating. Yeah. Like at first when I, when I, I, I think my first day, I remember that I was walking around a lot. All these planes look the same. Like they're telling me to go, which like they're reading me tail numbers and stuff like that. I'm like, what are these guys talking about? Like, <laughs> who, who's Tango Mike? Like, <laughs> Tango Mike is just TM. Yeah. It's just uh, a phonetic that, that letter. That sounds more complicated than just saying TM. <laughs> yeah, well, when you when you talk over the radio, they, oh, they use yeah, phonetics. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> that's actually really funny because my first flight lesson ever, uh, the the guy was like, "I want you to do a radio call. I want you to say Niner Foxtrot Whiskey." Yeah. And I was like, but the tail number says nine F <laughs> and he looks at me, he's like, we're going to need more less. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. It, it's fascinating. Have you ever seen anybody famous? Cause Teterboro is known for their private yeah. aircraft. Yeah. Have you ever run into anybody famous? You can probably ask me who I've met. I've probably met them. I've met Will Smith. I met Drake. You've met Will Smith. Yeah. Will hold Smith on, is really on. cool. That's mad cool. Yeah. Have you, were you able to interact with him or yeah, so he was really cool. He was uh, he was walking off the plane, and then I mean, these plane doors open up. You never know if it's gonna be like some big CEO of a company yeah. or like someone really famous. Yeah. So it was like towards the end of the shift, uh, the door opens, and I see Will Smith start coming down. I'm like, <laughs> bro, holy crap! He's instantly that's recognizable. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, all right, like, and the thing is, you don't want to look like you're you're like that guy. Yeah, you don't want to be that annoying like fanboy or whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, sir, how you doing? So he comes down, he looks at me, and he goes like, my brother, that's me up. I'm just like, there is no way no that way. this happened. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. He just tango mic you. Yeah, that's exactly. That's like, so he's funny. known me for years. Like That's so cool, dude. One of the coolest, like, celebrities ever. And, you know, you see a lot of these. I saw Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan doesn't look like Jackie Chan. Does he not? <laughs> no, it, it looks like. <laughs> we explain. I don't know. He just doesn't look like. I guess when you think about Jackie Chan, you think of the way he looks like in the movies or like, like Rush, Rush Hour, Hour or whatever. Yeah, okay. that's yeah. the that's the image you have in your head. No, man, like he he got old. He got old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all the cameras and lights and makeup. Yeah, and, uh, it's, it's actually you know different. it's funny. Uh, Tony Hawk. Okay, if you look at him now, he's so oh, no. he looks so old. And yeah. when he walks around, he just talks about how people just don't recognize him. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I used to be like the biggest thing in like the early 2000s. Yeah, and bro. Like, now no one remembers. Yeah, he doesn't video skate anymore. He goes down it. a ramp and he's like, ah, oh, my arthritis. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he that's could crazy. still shred. He probably does. <laughs> that's um, so funny. But that's crazy. Will Smith, Any anybody else that was uh, memorable? See, if that was me... I'd, I'd wait at every uh, plane and every time the door is just descending, yeah. it's like its own like experience. Yeah. Like, oh, who is it going to be this time? <laughs> it's and like it, getting dealt a poker hit. It's like, oh, what do we got now? Dude, I, I could talk about this all day. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's really cool. Um, seen Jim Carrey, seen Adam Sandler. Um, oh my god! Did did it, was it and the, uh, Adam Sandler wearing his like basketball shorts in the, yeah. the really oversized? <laughs> yeah. I love Dude, that guy. That guy's got so, so much money, but he's walking around with. Like the largest basketball and he balls shorts. a lot too. He loves. He does. Basketball. He loves yeah. basketball. Yeah, he's that's really cool, cool, man. Yeah, that's great. Wait, yeah. but the thing is, I get it because uh, when so in uh, well, not from a work perspective, but w I went to uh, with 
uh, friend of mine, Mark, and for all of us. Uh, and uh, we were in Brooklyn at a pizzeria. And literally right behind us was Childish Gambino. Oh, no like, way. It's a small place. I, this is like, I kid you not, probably like six, seven, eight. Lucali, I don't know if you've yeah. ever been there. Uh, it's like six or seven tables in that place. And literally right behind is Childish. And Mark is having a panic attack. Okay. <laughs> he sees him and he instantly recognizes him. I'm like, I didn't even, I didn't even know who he was. I, I know who he is, but I didn't, I wouldn't have recognized him. Yeah. And he's like having a, like, and he's like, he's like, it's Charles, give me, you know, I'm like, Mark, take it, you know, relax a little bit. To ask the waitress and she's like, yes, don't talk. You know, we want to, he's like on a date. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it's like, I, I get it. Like, you just don't want to, but yes. yeah, we, we agreed. We were not going to talk to him because exactly. you don't want to be that guy. But that's the biggest tease. Like you see somebody that you recognize and you're like, oh, holy yeah. crap. It, it's a celebrity. I have to say hi. But then you don't, and you're like, oh. I mean, that's teams. how it is. You got to remember, there's still people at the end of the day. Like, they're just trying to get... Some of them are cool. So, like, you got to read their body language. You yeah, know what I mean? Um, I mean, after a while, it was just like, okay, I would see Shaq. And, okay, this is like the 15th time I've seen Shaq. Shaq is just... Well, what's <laughs> what up, Shaq? <laughs> what that's literally how it was. <laughs> hold on, moment. hold yeah. on, hold on. You're saying this way too casual. Like, what's up, big... Yeah. Big Diesel. That, literally, that's, that's how it got to be at one point. Like, there were still people that I'd be like... A little bit of a fanboy over like like, I saw, like who i saw lebron oh um, yeah, that LeBron, the yeah, summer yeah. after he won the championships uh, and he was just chilling yeah. mad cool yeah, like yeah, um, Dudes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was cool uh drake drake was actually i mean i read his body language a little he looked like uh, where 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 are you hanging out where where where, where are you when you see these people oh, are you still talking I, at the airport Oh, yeah. that's amazing. I mean, I wish I was able to take pictures, but again, I didn't yeah, want to be yeah, that. Oh, TMZ right. would like love to be oh, in your no. position. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was that, the thing. Drake, Drake, surprisingly, he's actually, there's <laughs> there's one song where he goes, um, a lot taller in person, you'll see when we meet. That guy is tall, man. He's, oh, he's taller than me. He's about like 6'6". Six, six. What? Yeah. You would never assume I didn't so. know Canadians got that tall. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> That's we interesting, know. but you're right. It is based on the the body language. I think the it most is. famous person I've ever met was Casey Neistat. Uh, do you watch YouTube? Like, yeah. Are you are you into I YouTubers? Mean, yeah. Do you know who Casey of, is? No. So you're not. Into YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't no, know. Casey, Casey Neistat, you would love him because you're also into photography, right? And this is actually a great segue. <laughs> yeah. But no, because you never answered your college question. Oh right. So let's so let's get so back let's, to that. So back, Teterboro, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> basically, I ended up working there. I, I realized that I. At first, I took it just as a job. Again, didn't really know what was going. Couldn't tell the plane apart. But then, over time, I started really. I mean, I, I started enjoying what I do. If I'm gonna be here for a lot of the week with school, like I might as well enjoy what I do. Um, airport operations, just the way airports operate in a certain way for a certain reason. Started looking into that a lot more. Um, so I ended up switching over my my field in college to. Uh, industrial engineering or systems engineering and it was really cool because they gave us a lot of freedom in that we can look at whatever industry we want to and we could start doing more research about problems that they're currently facing mm -hmm. so um, started doing that really liked the classes started getting passionate about what I'm doing again fell in love with school again crazy to hear but mm -hmm. um, my senior design my senior year we have senior design projects and there was one specific project that our school enters every year. It was like the FAA Airport Cooperative Design Competition, something like that. Mm. Um, and I was just like, okay, 
this is perfect. I work at an airport. Like how many other college students across the US actually work in an airport? Like I need to take full advantage of this. Yeah. Like I used all my resources. Um, but the airports they were talking about were more commercial airports. I worked at a private airport. So yeah. there was still a little bit of a shift. Yeah. So I mean, I used the resources that I had. We ended up um tackling a baggage priority issue where because most of most most people's luggages they get lost or delayed when there's a transfer in the plane so basically we we created um a solution to that problem we ended up winning third place nationally oh wow nationally, yeah. nationally. oh my god that's yeah. amazing so was, was that implemented by any chance or did any airline like um there was some interest from delta okay um i mean we kind of gave them the idea but again the thing is, a lot of these airlines, especially over the last five years, they've, I don't know if you guys have been in an airport recently, but they've, they've completely streamlined the way they do everything. So yeah, at the, at the time, it was something of interest, mm. but with COVID and, and everything, like making everything like contactless and whatnot, I mean, it went a different way, but still, I feel like our idea still applies there. Um, but still, it was really cool. Just winning third place nationally. Um, ended up graduating from Stevens. Um, and then there was that little lapse still working at the airport, but I was graduated. Um, I, I was getting interviews, but again, nothing that I really liked. Mm. So I just started shooting my shot, applied to the FAA, ended up getting a job in DC. Um, now the FAA job that I got was more about, uh, fuel infrastructure and like, so basically the fuel systems for backup generators for air traffic control towers and, and things like that. It was cool at first. Um, I was looking at blueprints, but again, it was all just like fuel systems. I didn't feel like it was anything like airport operations. Mm -hmm. So I was like, whatever, let mm -hmm. me stick it out. Let me see where this goes. The more I'm looking at it, these, these fuel systems, they're, they're just, I feel like in the near future, everything's, there's going to be like different types of fuel coming out. Um, everything's going to be replaced long story short i just felt like it was going to be outdated very soon it would have been obsolete yeah and i'm just looking at blueprints i'm sitting behind a desk and i just felt like a cog in the wheel so eventually i made a connection with someone else that works from the dod um and then that's how i got into contact with start guides so that's that's where i've been now and i've, I've been loving it it's something different literally every couple weeks every month i'm wearing a bunch of different hats i'm looking at um from the development of the app to the business standpoint to the content that actually goes into the app the user interface so it's cool i'm never bored over there okay yeah so you you said you transitioned from um you transitioned from chemical, chemical engineering, engineering to system a uh, system uh systems engineering yeah and industrial engineering yeah so technically i mean industrial engineering at my school, they called it engineering management. Okay. Engineering management and industrial engineering, they go basically like hand in hand. Okay. So my my concentration was in systems engineering. Was it because of working at the airport that you chose that route? Right. Okay. Because here's the thing. You become a chemical engineer, you're kind of just stuck in chemical engineering. You become mechanical engineering, you're going to be kind of stuck within that realm. Yeah. So with, with industrial engineering... I can work with mechanical engineer. In fact, that FAA job, I was a mechanical engineer. Mm -hmm. You have to be well versed in different types of engineering mm -hmm. for you to become um, 
for you to graduate from engineering management. So that was the interesting part. That oh. that's that's what I think. Because it almost looked to me, I couldn't get bored. I think I think that was my fear. Actually, I, I just getting was bored. A, yeah, yeah, that is a big fear. Yeah, complacency and being yeah. Well, I mean, it's a testament, right? To your uh, your story is a testament to the idea that you still like knew what you wanted, even though you went into something that technically wasn't what you right. wanted, right? And you mm -hmm. still you had that in mind, and you didn't get sucked into that. Like, there's so many like people I know that just get sucked into their world because they. They still obviously you need to put bread on the table, right? You'll yeah. you still want to make a salary, uh, but they don't have that mindset of like I still want to get to where I want to go, right? right. And, and you made that transition. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times too, people are afraid of switching because they're gonna feel like they failed. Mm. Like it's an omission of of like you didn't do what you actually right. like set out to do. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, a everyone fails. B, like if if you're not doing what you love you're probably always going to fail. There's going to be no passion. There's going to be no drive. Yeah. Like that, it's, that of itself is failure. Exactly. Doing something that you're just not yeah. passionate about. You're just withering away. Exactly. And, and it's like a priority. It's like, it, it, you know, if, if you prior, like if you have priority of your work, like, uh, and you want to make sure that it is in the best pay way possible, obviously you don't want to get, like if you, if you just let it go to the side, right? It's going to affect your mood and your, everything like that. Everything. It, it affects yep. everything. It's just mm -hmm. what you do every day for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I Like for everyone listening, like it, for, if you feel like you're not doing something that you love, just because you change it, like doesn't mean you're going to fail. Doesn't yeah. mean you're failing. It just means that something isn't right for you and you're still searching for that. Yeah. So. And although it sounds cliche to say, do what you love. Uh, do what you love, yeah. or else you'll never work a you, day in your life. Everybody says it. Yeah, but there's this other perspective that I I've grown to love. Um, if you knew that you had a month to live, right? Yeah. And you were nearing death. Mm -hmm. How would you live your life? Exactly. Is it not that the second you're born, you begin dying? Yeah. So then you should live the rest of your life as if. You're dying. Um, I could have probably articulated that better. Uh, I forgot which book I read that in, but the concept, like, it kills the clicheness of right. Do what you love, and or else. Yeah. But you, you were able to to actually prosper and and put that into a reality where. So, was it risky, or were you afraid of leaving that FAA job? Where did you have that other job? This this job that you're currently in lined up. Uh, I I didn't have it like once I started falling out of love with that FAA job, I didn't have anything lined up. Okay, it was but you just, still left it. No, so I didn't. You sucked it up. I sucked it up. Okay, that's the thing that I highly recommend too, especially with today's industry. Suck it up. If, yeah, if you're looking to leave a job, don't leave it until you have the other job. Yeah, no, that's, because that's, that's very important. It's, yeah. Especially with. I hate to say the C word COVID but with all this COVID stuff. <laughs> it's just, it's really hard to find a job now. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it really like it's really hard. Um, so no matter how much you hate a job, just stick it out. Just embrace the suck, but just keep looking towards something else. There's always got to be something you're, you're, you're working towards. I so, like that phrase. Yeah. Embrace the suck. <laughs> that, that, that's a great bumper sticker. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's, that's with, that's essentially what Everything. you've got to do. No, yeah. but it, actually, it's it's funny because, in like all three of us have switched. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so all, all of us can relate. Yeah, yeah. I went from pre med 
to IT yeah. to engineering. You went from computer science, computer engineering to computer oh, science. Yeah, and then you went from chemical engineering to engineering management. Yeah, industrial engineering. Yeah. Industrial. So it's and and it's the fact that we did that in college. Actually, obviously, don't switch if you don't want to switch, right? If you like what you're doing, but that aspect of switching in college in a safe environment, right? prepared you mentally to be like in when you're working be like i've done this before i have switched i've left something that i was currently doing i didn't like exactly and i'm gonna make that jump and it's almost as if that like kind of like you already went through that mental like pain of switching right, right before mm. and then now it's like you did it with i, I think i think there's an essence of that yeah i, I think that just goes with, with everything too uh, you just always had to just so even me when I graduated from school, I told myself I'm either working in New Jersey or New York, um, preferably New Jersey. Jersey. <laughs> and now you're working uh, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I like New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> like, I never thought people are always just like, oh, I can't wait to leave this state. I, New Jersey's pretty good, man. You travel out to these other states, you don't realize how good you got it. And let's transition to that because I know you work in D.C. Yeah. And I went to San Francisco for six months. So now I have a flair of those two cities. You have a right. flair of D.C. Yep. That's it. It's going to be decided now on the podcast. <laughs> the differences between these three cities. What Plot was it like? twist. Uh, Texas is better than all. Okay. Mina, you're out of the conversation. So. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> Have you been to Texas? I've been, I've been to like the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But then again, so anywhere I fly out, it's usually by these marine bases. There might not be a whole lot to do yeah, yeah, around yeah. there. So I don't get the full taste. But but I'm curious. What do you think? What was like the San experience Fran? in D.C.? Yeah. Comparing the cities. Yeah. Like, yeah, from New York okay. to D.C. If I was to explain DC, this is how I would. Put it. <laughs> this is about to get interesting. All right. So you know, in high school, you have like basically the dropouts and the kids that don't care, and you have all the overachievers that are doing all the AP classes and stuff like that. Yeah. DC is where they put those dropouts and the overachievers <laughs> together. Okay. There is no middle There's no ground. Middle. <laughs> There's no middle ground where people have some sort of like, I guess, street common yeah, sense yeah it's just one or the other and <laughs> i don't know maybe i'm just so i've been to it, dc but... like twice but that that resonates that makes sense it does right it really does there, it, there is no middle yeah it's either they're like extremely like highly sensitive cancel culture or like super conservative or what i don't know what it like, or like the complete the opposite, opposite side where they don't care like uh, super like, passive okay. ghetto hood like yeah. in some areas it's <laughs> yeah. Like and in DC, so they're they're starting to gentrify a lot. I'm sure, like in other cities too. Yeah. Um, and so the areas that they're gentrifying in used to be like super bad. Like you cannot go there by yourself, especially late at night. Mm -hmm. So they start gentrifying those cities, and obviously, like so, like people are still there. They, they've they're, they've lived there their whole lives. Their family lived out their whole lives in those areas. So it's funny. You go like one area could be super nice. You go a block too far, it's not it's nice it's like anymore. Well, it's like, it's <laughs> yeah. like in Hoboken, it's kind of similar, right? That right? There's oh, like a really no. nice part, and there's a really bad part of Hoboken, Man, I guess, Ho right? Hoboken is uh, it's five star <laughs> compared to some places in yeah, DC. I was about to say, <laughs> yeah. about yeah, to yeah. say if Newark, you think Newark Hoboken is, is bad, then we're uh, we're living in the like slums. where Prudential is in Newark, like, and then you go farther that, out of the city mean, area, then good, yeah, then yeah. it's like yeah, definitely a lot more unsafe. That's a good example. But let me not knock DC. Like DC is still a beautiful beautiful city um and i would still live in dc over new york city dc wow. yeah new york city is just way 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 too much for me props to everyone that lives there props to everyone that travels every day there yeah. 
I can't do that. It's just way too much for me. Well, don't worry, because it's not going to be that, uh, like that for long. <laughs> yeah, uh, so many people are leaving New York. It's insane. There's a great migration outside of New York and Cali. Yeah. And in even Cuomo, uh, I think it's Cuomo, right? Who's got the allegations against him? Yeah, I mean, he's going through stuff now. Yeah, yeah. he's going wow. through a lot. And uh, Yang, Andrew Yang, he's running for probably mayor. Yeah. one of my favorite options out of the, uh, the Democratic uh, uh, presidential candidates. Um, is running for New York uh, City Mayor. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, New York is definitely going to go through some shift. I mean, there's still it's one of the greatest cities in the world, yeah. right? So you, it's not, and in essence, it's not going to lose that identity. No. Um, I'm curious because I moved to San Francisco for six months, and what I noticed in San Francisco was that I felt like I was in a city of transplants, like basically outsiders just coming into a city yep. and trying to make a culture out of it, which in some ways works in some ways it doesn't and it seems kind of chaotic to me honestly from a state like new jersey where i feel like i'm around natives all the time right yeah so is that like that also in dc where it's like you feel like you're just with a bunch of people trying to like find belonging rather than like a culture that already had its belonging and you're just trying to fit into that exactly it's exactly like that dc is made up of a lot of transplants um and and just the people there they're very very different like, I, I feel like New Jersey is more like, you know, we're, we're a little bit more like tougher out here. Yeah. D.C., because there a lot of them are transplants, a lot of them are trying to fit in. They're trying to find that sense of culture. Yeah. So they're more open. Like, you'll take the metro in the morning and people will start talking to you. Like, <laughs> New Jersey, New oh, York, yeah. that's that unheard of. That does no. not happen in Jersey. Yeah. People, people will st- start having a conversation with you. Yeah. Um, I remember my first time on the metro, someone's talking to me. I'm like. What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> That's the most Jersey. Thing yeah, you could have said. <laughs> and it's not because alone. Jersey people are like mean spirit. It's just because like we're to our we're own. Not, we're like, not you used know, to it. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Everyone I, has their own. Yeah, exactly. Part that they. Feel. Yeah, like I'm on the train. Don't talk to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but like, it, it, but it's it's like you're not used to, like, in San Francisco. Also, like I'm waiting for a comedy club. This lady just like having a conversation with me. I'm yeah. like, lady, I'm just like. <laughs> I'm just trying to get into this comedy club. I'm just trying I, to I, laugh a little. I, yeah, exactly. Not trying to talk. Yeah, I'm like I don't even know who you are. <laughs> it's yeah. like a, but I, whatever. It's it's like a it's like a very different. Mi- people think we're just mean spirited in Jersey. No. I just think it's everyone's just like we're just a different culture. Yeah. We're extremely career driven. It is people on this side uh, uh, of the U.S. extremely career driven. We're all about making the money. We're all about the highest title ranking. I I think we probably give the most effort on our LinkedIn page. But it's not even just. I, I I I agree with the work culture of it but then it's also an aspect of again it's like the the natives right like we have our families here we have our friends here we don't feel like we need to reach out to others to have a like to find you get what i'm trying to say like right. i get you. yeah so yeah. in the transplant cities like uh, dc and san francisco these people want to have conversations with others they want to have like have that kind of like culture with us it's like i have my family i have my friends i don't need to talk to anyone like i'm, I'm kind of yeah. doing my own thing right yeah. now so so larry i don't know if this happened in, in san francisco but a lot of the times when people are meeting each other or like usually when you meet someone new, not from the workplace, the first two questions is, hey, what's your name and what do you do? Yeah. So, I mean, it got to a point where every new person that I'd meet would be asking me those same questions. And it's just like at one point I felt like, OK, people might just want to be friends for me with me because of what I do. Mm. The networking aspect of it. Yeah. yeah. It, I feel like no one was really your friend. Everyone was kind of just like your LinkedIn friend. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? But I mean, don't get me wrong. There are people that, that are super, super genuine, super kind hearted people. Like 
and and those people are really close to me right now like i'll just hit them up whenever i'm in dc like we'll hang we'll kick it and everything um in fact one of my friends that i met over there he's the person that taught me photography we should just go out and start taking pictures and being in a city that was that was kind of cool because you're looking at things other people don't really see so mm. it, it was i don't know if it was like that in san francisco where it was just like let me see how i can leverage this person to yeah it's because it, it's because that's the only thing that really unites each other is the work right, right? and in a sense like and it's yeah it's like oh you don't know who i just like met i just met like the ceo of whatever like yeah and it's like that's I guess that's just the way they connect and yeah. it's weird. It's like it's like LinkedIn in real life. Exactly. And I yeah. <laughs> because what other reason do you have to go to San Fran for? Exactly. The the property Well that's why yeah, that's what it, it is. Yeah. To buy a house there, it's like ridiculous. Exactly. Rent is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um but you you mentioned photography. I kinda wanna understand where that came from. Because like <laughs> uh engineering, airport. Yeah. Where does the photography come in? Uh, so that came, that came from my fiance. So she's she's an influencer and um, she she has a pretty large uh, Instagram following and whatnot. So um, obviously, like it, the content you have to take is held to a different standard. So obviously, we started with a phone. I was which phone? <laughs> I don't even know, man. It was like the <laughs> iPhone something. I, I couldn't even use the camera to save my life. <laughs> Um, I remember the first picture, one of the first pictures I took of her, like she almost like, I don't know, spoke up with <laughs> Yeah, it, it didn't turn out too well. I love how starting with the iPhone is the humility story. It's it like, is. yeah, I started out on an iPhone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had to literally adjust my hands, tell me how to hold the camera and be like, just click the button. Bro, she literally, <laughs> she literally made you equivalent to a tripod. I was, I was a tripod. <laughs> Like, honestly, if she bought the tripod with a little clicker, it might have been yeah, better off. Better but, utility, yeah. but I mean, I started I started learning a little more. And then I I started paying attention to the way other influencers and, and whatnot. I noticed the way they were taking their pictures. And I'm just like, oh, how did they take that picture? Then I started looking into DSLRs and I started following other photographers. You know, it was just one thing after... You fell into the hole. I did. Yeah. So for me, like... When I'm scrolling on Instagram and something makes me just stop, stop my scrolling, really like look at a picture and think about how that person took the picture, that's where I'm like, okay, I want to go try this. Mm. So obviously you can't do, especially, I mean, the iPhone cameras now are freaking amazing. Some of them, you can't even tell the difference between a regular yeah. iPhone camera and a DSLR. Yeah, it's it's insane. Um, so I went, um, she eventually, we both agreed that, hey, maybe we should try a DSLR camera. Let's, let's see where what where happens. it takes us yeah um so i started doing that learning it's completely different so youtube was the thing that really helped me really learn like about photography and there's a lot to photography it's not just putting in auto and just clicking a button <laughs> yeah people really under uh underestimate how yeah. much it takes to to get a good image okay why don't you add me next time all right i just click the button <laughs> yeah you think the all camera? these cameras yeah. are just well, all these on. engineers making a camera app you're telling me like <laughs> they didn't do this work for me <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. and you know if you're shooting in auto and if you're shooting in jpeg you're not you're a photographer a <laughs> you are not a photographer manual but yeah that's it yeah. we're the win um so oh, yeah <laughs> it was just youtube and then um I met my other friend. His name is Minor. You guys probably see him a lot on um, my Instagram and her Instagram. Mm. He's at Major Minor. He's super, super gifted photographer. Um, I met him at an event and I told him like, oh, I just bought a camera and whatnot. So we just started hanging out on the weekends and 
Um, luckily, we were both in the D.C. area. D.C. is a, a super cool place to learn how to shoot. There's always different types of stuff, different types of ideas. And I'd be like, oh, I saw this guy take this picture. I wonder how he took it. We'd go and try and take that picture. And, you know, that's that's how that's how you start learning new things. You just got to go out there and do it. Like, yeah, YouTube helps to a certain extent. But unless you're getting out there and doing it, like you have to make the mistakes and then learn. Exactly. From them. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And the fact that, yeah, like we were discussing this before, but the fact that you learned off YouTube is just amazing. It just shows like how much different life is now where you don't need to get these expertise, like knowledge from like paying a lot of money, right? To learn. Um, the information is available to you. You just got to learn it. Yeah. Um, what is there like common mistake, like on a, a fundamental level, is there common mistakes that people just make when taking a picture that they just don't realize? Yeah, a lot of it. I mean, most common thing I think is just framing. Hmm. framing composition, yeah. yeah composition and um the exposure so what do you mean by fr so uh can you like expand on what do you mean by like the the mistake like in, in a like a generic picture like um so like i guess learning the rule of thirds i don't know if have you guys been seeing like these cool tiktoks on and they're just like oh tips on how to make your pictures cooler so like the foot position within the frame like that and it also actually a big thing is like whether i might be getting too much in the weeds but like if you're shooting uh, mirrorless or what's the other thing called or mirrored yeah yeah mirrorless or mirrored mm. um that has a lot to do with your composition so basically if you're shooting mirrorless you won't get that crop mm. in it i'm getting too much in the weeds but no no, no, no you're good um basically first thing to like basically pay attention to is the foot position you want to make sure like the bottom of the frame is aligned with the foot position then everything else can kind of just fall into place um but again going back to like tiktoks there a lot of it is some really good tips on how to like start shooting and stuff like that they show you how to adjust the camera for cool pictures how to like uh adjust your settings to get certain types of effect with tiktok and youtube now there's there's a lot you can learn out there yeah it's, sure. it's completely completely different that's definitely world. the future yeah no but like so actually that's interesting because you'll have people in the industry and i i hear it in the way the the sentiment is you'll have people in the industry of photography and they'd be like oh these influencers they have they're just yeah. ruining the craft right. of photography right but do you think it's otherwise do you think that that is just taking uh they're just they're just cr it's kind of like start guides are they just cracking an industry that just like has been doing it for yeah they like they had their own way of doing it but now they're starting to get into that in their own ways and uh, it's still an appreciation to the craft. Yeah. I mean, so there are some people. He, here's the thing. I think some people that buy a DSLR automatically go ahead and call themselves a photographer. Mm. I don't even call myself a photographer. I'm just a guy with a camera. I'm learning <laughs> how to use it. Yeah, yeah, I'm into photography. I think there's a difference between being a photographer and being into photography. And like, there is a lot more... there. I don't know what I don't know. There is a lot to photography. There's there's things that, like, I might take a picture. I think I would think it's really good. It looks amazing. But an actual photographer or someone that's been into photography longer than me, they'll look at a picture and be like, "Oh well, your ISO is a little too high," or mm -hmm. this and that. Like, there's a lot of different things that a newbie would see versus what an expert would see. And, um, I mean, that's not to like dissuade anyone from picking up a camera and getting yeah, into yeah. it but like you gotta you gotta know when to stay humble you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's not something you can master in a month like no. this yeah it's it absolutely not. yeah and, and i get that and that makes a lot of sense yeah. is photography like an out for you 
Is um, it like a, a de-stress? Yeah. A lot of the times it is like, especially like when I see something on Instagram and I'm just like, oh, this is super cool. Like I want to blurry background, that. right? Yeah. So it's <laughs> right? so the blurry backgrounds that get you. It, it's cool. I mean, uh, that's, that's one of my outs. Um, another one obviously is it's working out. Working I know we're, out. we're, we're was, <laughs> you, 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 so you good saw my transition. transition. <laughs> saw my pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I got you. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I remember, uh, back in the day, uh, back in the day, back in the day, right? Like 23. <laughs> what am I saying? This old man um, man. you max, I remember that yeah. you guys were, were big gym heads. Yep. Um, so that's one method of de-stress. Huge. Yeah. How important has going to the gym gotten since the C word? <laughs> um, you have you been going? So moving to DC, it was a completely different shift for me. Like we were talking about risks before. Mm. Me moving to DC completely was a risk in and of itself. Oh, yeah. I was not comfortable with that move, but you know what? Just like everything, you got to just jump to it. So I was, I was stressed out at times. Like, I didn't know if I made the right decision things like that, but mm -hmm. you know, thank God everything worked out. Um, but during that time, just working in a different, I guess, environment really like, so when I used to work at Teterboro, I was very physical. I was always outside. Somehow I, I, I'd get out of work at like 10, go to the gym, get out at like, I don't know, 12, 1230 and then go back home study and then uh wake up the next morning and go to class like i was like all right not a big deal if i just have a normal nine to five job no big deal mm. i felt more drained from a nine to five than i did working outside <laughs> i don't know if it's just because i'm active outside and i'm already like the blood's flowing and everything but i don't know for some reason when i moved to dc i went to the gym less and less and less eventually like i kind of just like I was doing it for so many years. I felt like it was just, I just needed time apart from the gym for a while. So, and then, but like, I'd still, maybe I'd go to the gym like every, like two times a week or something like that. So I was still like in there just to be healthy. Mm. Um, and then COVID hit. COVID, like you really don't realize what you have until it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I was, I was attaching these elastic bands to like my freaking window and like trying to oh, do I saw. And stuff like that. It was, you know, it was bad. You know, Home Depot at one point was like low on cement because people were making dumbbells, yeah. and barbells out of cement. Dumbbells are so expensive now. Yeah, like the Bowflex, oh the Bowflex uh, adjustable dumbbells. Dude, like, those are like three hundred bucks now. <laughs> they were selling them in the peak of COVID. They were selling them for like six hundred to eight hundred. Yeah, yeah. It, it's ridiculous. I wouldn't have bought it for 300 or 600. <laughs> yeah. Would, would you say um, the reason why you were more inclined to go to the gym while working at the airport versus in DC was because there was physical exhaustion working at the airport versus the mental exhaustion yeah. of working a nine to five? I, I think so. Like a lot of, like not for nothing, like, yeah, working a nine to five, like, yeah, you might be sitting there the whole time, but. From you, the mental exhaustion, like it really takes a toll on your whole self. Mm -hmm. That's why happy hours are so popular and whatever. People need a way to de-stress or, or like, but I just don't think alcohol and food are the way to do it. Like, yeah. it just sounds stupid. I mean, food. Yeah. I got really fat in DC at one point. <laughs> like I got super skinny at one point, like the, the lightest I've ever weighed in my life. And I felt it was because I lost a lot of muscle mass mm. and then... COVID came, I started eating a lot and I wasn't going to the gym. So and more fat. Yeah. 
Um, so, I mean, just my whole fitness journey, like back in high school, I was close to like 300 pounds. So yeah, it was, it was big. And then I don't know. I just, I just went savage. <laughs> <laughs> what was driving? So I, I, you, I knew you were very committed to it, uh, in, in high school and college. And what was driving that? I don't like, like you took it to a higher degree than most people. Like what yeah. drives working out like that? Um, I don't know. At first I was doing it because. I hated the way I looked. So it was more of like a people pleasing thing. Right. Mm. And then eventually it turned into, I'm doing this to become the best version of myself. It was more, more of like a, just a mental thing. Like me, if I start taking something seriously, I'm going like a hundred. I'm not putting in 50%. I'm not putting in zero. Even my workouts in the gym, if I'm not going full throttle, there's no point in me being there. Mm. And I don't know. I think, I think just overall, if you're not putting your full self into it, whether it's, I don't know, a service or I don't know if, if you just don't have that drive to get in there, what's the point in doing it? You're like you're losing the beauty of it by yeah. not taking it seriously. Exactly. I get that. No, like, I get that. If you're, if you're dedicating so much time into it, why not just put your all into it? And then eventually like, so it's not the gym eventually I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard like the gym becomes an addiction right mm -hmm. it's not necessarily you looking in the mirror and like oh yeah i look better that's addiction that's part of it yeah but i think it's the way you react under stress or pressure like okay i had a long day or like something's really stressing me out but i'm still getting my butt in the gym and i'm still getting that work done like that's where it really i think it's more of like a discipline thing after mm -hmm. a while what led to that shift in mentality when when you were like, hey, this is for myself? Because um, sometimes we, we we neglect taking care of ourselves. And I'm, yeah. I'm re I've been recently going through this where like you just neglect little things like uh, my back's been killing me. Yeah. Right. I, I haven't seen a doctor in like two years. Yeah. There's this shift now of, hey, I need to take care of myself. I need to get braces, get LASIK, do this, do this go to a doctor, go to a dentist. What right. led to that shift where you're like, hey, I need to start taking care of myself. And one of these things is getting back into shape and working out. It was just like, right now, like our 20s, like this, this is the best years of our lives. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like this is this is our prime the right under here. Uh, the understatement of the century. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay, whether it's COVID or whatever, like this is the time where you're going to, improve on yourself the most mm -hmm. this is the time like and i just keep looking at it like one day like i want to be able to show like pictures to my kids or like be like oh i was like i was the best in this mm -hmm. or like people used to come up to me for tips and advice on this like it's just i just wanted to break my own boundaries like if, if i wasn't breaking my own boundaries now I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's like you build a habit early yeah. so that way it stays with you. Otherwise, yeah. like once you hit past an age, it's like a never, that never discipline adjusts. never creates itself. And I think, I think it was more so like in high school, I was, I was that fat kid growing up. And like, I always used to look at other people that were in great shape and whatever. I'm like, yo, that's amazing. Why not me? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, it comes to that point. Like, why not me? Like, what are the excuses that I'm making telling myself that I can't attain that? And, and that's where it all comes from. So, like, that's just, that's been my drive. Like, I want someone to look at me one day and be like, how did you do that? Or, like, I want to be someone else's motivation. I want to be that that 
that role model that I kind of wish that I had growing up as well. So like that just goes with everything. Like, okay, if you fail in one field, go ahead and switch. You know, it's your life. Take control of it. If you don't like the way you look, go and change it. Like everything, everything's in here, you know? Yeah. It's just whatever, whatever your mind wills, your body should follow. And it's the motivation too, because you said it was external motivation at one point, and then you internalize that motivation. It's like, I right. just want to better myself. I just like want to be better than yesterday yeah. rather than like how people want to see me to be better. Exactly. Right? And that's like the key element too. Like when people don't, aren't satisfied with themselves, you know, what's your motivation, yep. right? And your motivation grew fruitfully and healthily in a way that when it was internal. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of it too, is just having a partner to, uh, to hold you accountable first. Yeah. Me personally, sometimes, sometimes I get like super competitive. So eventually that gym partner that was holding <laughs> me accountable, it became into like, all right, you're going to, you're going to bench those little 75s. Watch this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's <laughs> funny story actually. So my fiance, um, right before COVID hit, she convinced me to join orange theory. Okay, mm. I was always just a gym head. Just go yeah, to the gym, yeah. hit the weights, don't look at cardio, leave. You know, so <laughs> don't look at cardio. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Weird. But anyway, so she convinced me to do an Orange Theory class, and they're really good at sucking you in. They're like, oh yeah, do the do the do the free class, whatever. Come try it out. If you like it, sign up. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm just gonna do the free class. I'm gonna get her happy, and <laughs> I'll just join. So, so it's like a whole bunch of people. A lot of them are women. There are some guys. So they put me next to a guy on the treadmill. I hate cardio. <laughs> but I see this guy and he's running. I'm like, all right, six. Watch oh, this, 6.5. <laughs> and it's just like a constant struggle now. So okay. uh, needless to say, I'm uh, still a member of Orange Theory. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, beat this one person. Yeah, man. I, I, I've been very competitive with it. I've been super no competitive way. with it. That's yeah. amazing. So I've been, I, I've been doing Orange Theory. And then a lot of times, so I've... After COVID, me like gaining all that weight, I've been trying to get back into it. Like, mm. just because you fall off doesn't mean you can get back on. And I'm gonna be even better than I was. Like, that's what I'm putting in my mind. So I'm doing Orange Theory now. I'm going to the gym. Um, so a lot of times I'll do an Orange Theory class in the afternoon, and then I'll go hit the weights at night. So, I mean, it's just it's it's really fun, and it's just like, okay, Orange Theory, it's it's fun. It's gonna get me in shape. Let me make it competitive. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what are those classes like? So, like, it, what makes it fun? It's it's a group. the The thing that makes it fun is, um, you have like these bands or some way to track it, right? So it's all based on um, it'll it'll measure how many calories you're burning, and it'll measure your heart rate. So they the heart rates go from zones. You have like your blue zone, your green zone, your orange zone, and your red zone. Something like that. Hmm. So it's called Orange Theory because they want you to stay in that orange zone. Because that's the most okay. effective fat burning? Or? Yeah. Okay. So so that's where you're burning the most. The red zone is like your your max output. So the orange zone is like perfect for like fat burning and... Stamina. Yeah. So, so for each minute that you're in the orange and red zone, you get what's called a splat point. Okay. So it's, it's weird. So can you, can you redeem them? <laughs> yeah. And then you go to Chuck E. Cheese. You get, you get, you get, you get prizes in the front. That's immediately what I'm going yeah, right? to do. He said, he said splat point. And all, yeah, I can imagine, all I can imagine is you going at night to your to your other gym to lift weights. Yeah. 
And the guy spotting you, he's like, yo, how many splat points you got? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Good. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you got the points. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So, so basically they're saying, so if you um, burn like 12 or if you get 12 splat points in a class, 12 splat points or more is what you need to achieve that after burning effect. And ah. So their thing is 24 to 72 hours after that workout, that after burn effect is you're still burning weight after the workout. So it, it's pretty cool. I mean, the science behind it is cool. Um, eventually, they'll have like benchmark days or they'll have different challenges and it's all tracked on the app. So like it's it, gamification, right? Huh? It's a gamification of working out. Yeah. Right? yeah. So like they'll have rowers, they have treadmills and they have weights. So and then they always so if there's a benchmark like they'll put, um, oh, this was your previous time. And then when the next benchmark comes, like you want to beat the next time. Mm. And then it's cool because then they'll have a leaderboard. They'll show you who got the highest times. That's where I get competitive. <laughs> I'm like, I'm being number one. <laughs> so that, that that's how it is. I mean, you got to find your thing. Like at first, yeah, once you're getting into it, being competitive, like a nut job like me might intimidate you. But like, <laughs> Which one do you go to? Um, Just so I can make sure I don't go to <laughs> There's one in Hackensack that I go to, and yeah, I go so to one in DC. It's pretty fun. But um, so, like, even there, there's uh, one guy that I've been training for um, a couple years, too. So I, when I was, like, back in the day when I was, like, really into it, he would come to me with the gym. Um, and, like, I would just push him. Like, it's not about competitive. Like, I wanted to motivate him. Mm. From, like, the year, a year and a half of him going to the gym with me, he he gained like probably 20 pounds of solid muscle and this was all just straight dedication like we corrected his eating habits a little bit like mm -hmm. his protein intake this kid got ripped that's awesome yeah and then i fell off he fell off so now we're <laughs> we're going back to the gym again yeah. together well, we're awesome. holding ourselves accountable you yeah, know yeah. what i mean it's so. like a perfect circle story <laughs> yeah you mentioned uh, earlier that um sorry to cut you off right, you mentioned earlier uh you want to be the the mentor or or the the person you look up to yeah um that you didn't have yep so did you not have any role models or mentors growing up or no not at all i i have i have so many cousins and everything like that and they're all extremely successful at what they do and they're all like when i was growing up they're all super athletic i was like the fat kid and stuff like that um so yeah, it was always good to have them around. It was more of like a push. Um, but I think like nowadays, it's just people are A, afraid to, they're afraid to ask for help and B, they're afraid to come off a certain way. Like I think, I think especially within the Egyptian Arab community, mm. like people are like, oh, he did this and then he switched to that. Like people are afraid of, I guess almost failing because of the way they'll look. The perception, yeah. Yeah, the perception. Perception, yeah. So, my idea of like being that mentor, like if something doesn't work, fix it. There's always guidance. There, like, I like I don't want people to think that you have to do something a certain way. There is no such thing <laughs> as a certain way. Yeah. Like, your parents might tell you, okay, you have to. Go to school, you have to get a job, and then you get married. Okay, that might work for some, but for a lot of people, that doesn't work. Like, school might not work out for them. Or, yeah. like, maybe the order is different. Or maybe they get married later on in life. You can't hold people to a certain timeline. Like, 
I kind of want to just like be that person to just like things don't have to be done a certain way. I think I think that's and so it's, it's relatable. It's relatable because because you it's not like you didn't have the 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 perfect like story where like everything worked out everything in no. every aspect of it. No. Um, and I think that's why people listen to people like you because, uh, you know, they say, okay, yeah, you've seen you you've seen the pain, you've seen the suffering, yeah. right? And uh, and I can relate to that, and I can aspire to be like that. Um, right. So yeah, it, it it makes because I don't know I don't know anything about your cousins, but like I mean, in my family too, like there's some perfect stories, and you just can't relate to it. It's yeah. like you know, I, I I respect where you're coming from, but like you know, I. I need someone to help me through this pain right now because yeah, I, exactly. yeah, I get it. Yeah. And I think that, w- that was kind of the gym for me. Cause I mean the gym you're, it's like, how are you going to come out from the pressure? Like when you're lifting weights, you're putting a pressure on yourself and you're coming out of it. So I think that that's where the discipline comes in almost mm. like, it's just like, how do you, how do you rise? Every, everyone is always under some sort of pressure. Are you going to crack or are you going to get out of there? Like, that that's that's where a lot of it comes from. It's just it's just making the best out of every single situation. Like there's no reason why anyone should fold. If you have something in your mind that you're working towards too, like you gotta get there and find a way to do it by any means necessary. If there is something in your head that you want to attain by any means necessary, uh, that's that's just you just gotta be a dog out here. No, hundred yeah. percent. Is is that it, like long term like what what really matters like what you really believe in and what you really want to aspire to do for other people is that like that mentorship is that something that you just want to stick with like and uh meaning like you're doing your life right and you say i want to give it back is this something like that you're trying to dedicate to like what's like a what's like a mission of yours that you're trying like aside from your work everything like that what's like a mission that's like trying to drive like that you know like this is what i want to aspire to be in a sense or uh I, kind of like yeah. that is it like teaching is that is that essentially what you're trying to yeah this is getting deep huh <laughs> <laughs> um i mean i never really thought about it like that but i wouldn't like i wouldn't mind doing that you mm. know what i mean it's just it's funny you say that and i guess yeah i like to be that that influence on people or that that person that someone can come to and ask for advice mm. And it's funny, the more I think about it, like I realize a lot of my friends come to me for advice too. (laughs) Just clicked in my head, but I don't know, maybe I'm just that listening ear. Mm. But I guess making something bigger out of it, I don't know, maybe. But like right now, I'm kind of just like focused on bettering myself and just setting myself up for the future. Maybe later on, I would probably love that, but I don't know if that answers your question. (laughs) No, no. I mean, sometimes... Sometimes it, it kind of reveals itself when you look yeah. back, right? Yeah. So it's, we're still, still very young. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just always willing to be that person that listens because a lot of times the more, the more you talk to someone, you, you realize you're not that much different. Like all three of us, we all switched majors. Mm-hmm. There were certain struggles. Like you moved out to a different city. I moved out to a different city. Like you're starting your own company. Like everyone is under some form of pressure. So I, it's just, I guess kind of just, getting through that and learning from other people's experiences and just listening to listening to other people. You'll, you'll pick up a lot more. It's actually a great point because I think the majority or the vast majority of people are doing similar things, Mm -hmm. Um, but nobody talks about it. No. And if more conversations were to happen just like this one, yeah, 
exchanging ideas. Uh, imagine the impact it would have on mental health. Yeah. So many people are just bottling up everything up in their mind. Mm -hmm. And unlike you, they might not have a, dist uh, a distress activity. They, they don't go to the gym. They don't pursue photography. Um, and then that just kills them inside. And they get to a point where they're extremely mentally unstable. Right. Um, and then they, they fall into depression and things like that. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, a big thing that Larry and I wanted to focus on with this podcast. Engaging in conversation, no matter what it is. Larry and I disagree with in many things. Um, that's he, totally cool. He actually wanted to start off this podcast. It's just us, me and him just dishing out ideas. I said, Mina, yeah. this would be, it would lead to nothing. Because <laughs> we would just be in the we disagree. <laughs> but that's, that's exactly why I wanted it. Mm -hmm. Because we in 2021 and 2020 and 2019, mm -hmm. just recently, nobody is tolerant. Right. Nobody, if your opinion is different, get out of my face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's it. Cancel culture. <laughs> yes. You're gonna, you're gonna get Mina riled up. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, 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 frankly, uh, I'm, uh, I probably don't belong in Jersey. Because I love engaging in conversation. I'm very mm -hmm. outgoing, and that's why I said I love Texas. Because have you ever been to like people just they're oh, so nice. hospitable. Yeah. Like the hospitality is ridiculous. Yeah. But. Yeah, if people just had conversations and they talked about their businesses, they talked about their side hustles, they talked, hey, John, I'm trying to get fit. What should I do? Yeah. But we're not engaging in those conversations. What do you think we should do? Like, how do you promote a healthy uh, environment for engaging in conversations, especially among people our age? Because I think we're the issue. Um, we're the ones our age around uh, around our age, that's the age that's like starting the cancel culture, the Twitter attacks and, and all mm -hmm. that type of stuff. I don't know. I feel like just it's like what you were saying before about all the culture stuff. Before I moved to D.C., I was very, very unsocial. I stuck to my circle. I did what I had to do. I went to the gym. Jersey left. Yeah, that's all it was. Moving to D.C. made me realize, and especially being away from my family and, and my friends and whatnot, like, it made me realize talking is a lot more important than you think. Especially with this day and age with social media, people are only going to show what they want to be perceived as. Mm. You know, they don't see the behind the scenes. They don't see, like you were saying before, like, dude, this anxiety right now is, I feel like 10 years ago. Anxiety wasn't this high. Mm -hmm. People, people, all of a sudden, oh, I have anxiety. Like, no, you don't. You're just like in your mind, you're thinking you're supposed to be a certain way, but and it's not going your way. They're misdiagnosing themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't know. Just I guess, well, like, like well, creating that healthy, like that that environment to create those healthy conversations. Yeah. So a lot of the times, like. Even from what people see on, on social media and stuff like that, they'll start knocking it. Like, okay, I like when I moved to DC, I started getting into photography. Like, I would get in front of the camera every here and there. I'd get like all these messages. Oh, like, what do you think you are now? You think um, you're brand new? Like, it's easy, <laughs> easy to be a critic yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's so easy to be a critic. Yeah. But once things start catching fire, right? Um, once you start getting these like little like side gig job opportunities or whatever. Hmm. Then they're going to start asking, oh, how did you do that? Who did you get into contact with? Or like, how did you get this collaboration or whatever? 
then then they're gonna start so instead of knocking each other or talking behind someone's back maybe talking to them and like like for example this podcast right here mm. like you guys started this from scratch and you guys are just going to keep putting out content and eventually it's going to it's going to catch fire mm. i feel like and this probably came like this whole podcast came because you and your friend had an idea and you guys just started you guys just all started talking about it all together and now you guys actually made something out of it so this is where healthy conversations can go. You guys can actually start producing something or making something. Mm -hmm. And like, okay, what the heck? We're still young. Like, we might as well try it. And it, it all starts from a conversation. It all starts from a conversation. And it's just you don't know what's going to happen until you try. And that goes with everything. So you're saying put something out into the world, be the example, and then eventually it'll catch. It'll catch. Um, and that's probably, I, I think that's one of the two biggest things that we need to do as a society. I think the first thing is this, a lot of people are worried about the, the COVID vaccine cause like they don't know the long-term effects. We don't know the long-term effects of this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the first iPhone came out, what? 2007. Okay. Uh, 14 years. Yeah. That 14 years is not a long time. Um, so yeah, um, you're absolutely right. Uh, put something into the world, be that example, uh, and and hopefully just like, have good intentions. When yeah, you're in, yeah. Uh, when you're talking, uh, Egyptians they yell at each other all oh, the time, man. and yet they have and then they break bread together. It's we roast, so toxic. Hold on, hold on. We roast we roast our people a lot. We do, but I promise you. But there's a beauty. This there's is a beauty. There no, is, a but beauty. it's like yeah, there's a beauty. But like we roast. Uh, Egyptians a lot. We're Egyptians, so don't cancel us. Uh, <laughs> but like every community does that with themselves. Yeah. So like the Hispanic community, they're like, oh my God, Hispanic uh, timing. Because like mm. they never show up on time. Mm. That's crazy. We have Egyptian timing. <laughs> There's Indian timing. I was 20 timing. minutes There's... late today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I was 20 minutes late John today. was late today. <laughs> Larry was late today. I was late too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. So I feel like maybe it's the toxicity almost that in some cases can make you or break you. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, the pain and the pressure of like in like in fitness, right? Can you yeah. like what can you can you push through that like resistance? Yeah, exactly. Cuz a lot of the times it, especially like like you were saying in this culture if you're starting something new, people are going to be like who does this guy think he is? What's he doing? Instead of kind of just be like, "Hey, I love that you're taking a new opportunity. Keep doing it. Keep pushing exactly. yourself." You know what yeah. I mean? That's the type of, of energy that we need out there, yeah. especially within these these like if someone's if someone's just starting to get into fitness, I'm not just gonna be like, yo, what are you doing? Your form's messed up. Like, oh, you're doing great. Keep going. Like, mm -hmm. um, try doing this, this exercise I saw. You know what I mean? Just mm -hmm. find a way to push someone. Don't drag people down for like, the betterment of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone's gonna get better together. But I almost feel like it was the people being toxic. Like people always looked at me at a certain way. And then me going to the gym, it's like, okay, I'll show them one day. Mm. Yeah. You Sometimes I mean? it's necessary. You have to use the bad as it's motivation true. as yeah. well. You can't just take the good and just use that as motivation. You got to take the bad. Like, okay, I saw something in myself. I feel like I look better, but someone told me I look fat in that shirt. Like, okay, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get ripped. Yeah. yeah. Or like, what What do these guys think? Or John thinks he's a photographer now. Like his his photography sucks. 
okay, well, I'm still learning. At least I'm trying to do something with myself. Like, what are you doing? You're just scrolling and looking at myself and criticizing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's just the way you look. Maybe it's just that competitive nature in me, but I don't know. People just got to like, yeah, no, you got to put a fire on yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, this, this episode had many gems in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we really like, I know you're busy and we really appreciate you putting the time, um, um, to meet out with us. And, I'm sure this is not going to be the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Your story is like literally just beginning. So yeah. we'll see you. We'll see you surely um, uh, another time. And Mina. We, we got to do our thing, dude. We got to do our thing. So thank you for watching the Anomaly Talk podcast. We are on Google. We're on Spotify. Thanks to Larry. We're on Apple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this show. Make sure you let us know what else you'd like us to talk about. And Larry. Do your thing. Bye. <laughs> you changed it up this time. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>